Hello, friends, and welcome to the Now and Zen podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Goo Goo Sleep Company and by Dream Drive. Explore Japan in comfort and ease with Dream Drive. Rent a customized camper van to go camping, take nature hikes, relax at onsens, or just discover the many beautiful places less traveled around Japan. Dream Drive has various camper vans for solo travelers and families and is more affordable than trains and hotels as it's only one price per night. Go to dreamdrive.life to plan your next Japan adventure. Enter the coupon code ZEN and receive a sweet discount when making your customized camper van reservation. Dream Drive, the hotel on wheels. Hello everyone, this episode I speak with an amazing and iconic Tokyo veteran, Mr. Timothy Langley. With over 40 years of experience in Japan, Timothy is the founder and driving force behind Langley Esquire, Japan's premier public affairs consultancy. Although well-known as a business insider with extensive legal experience, most unique about Timothy is he was the first foreigner to work full-time in the Japan national diet, working with senior politicians from all major parties. This makes him a true specialist on Japan's political landscape. Over the years, he has been an influential bridge between Japanese and foreign leaders. Today, you'll hear a fascinating story of when Timothy served as President George Bush's right-hand man during his five-day Japan visit, complete with insider insight and a couple of entertaining stories. Japan politics, public affairs, and business consulting. Often dry subjects, but not today. Timothy brings his passion and entertaining storytelling style to the podcast and proves once and for all why he has been a genuine agent of change in Japan for the past 40 years. Direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen with Timothy Langley. All right. And I hope you don't mind. I actually am so appreciative of the fact that yeah. you are allowing me to have a cigar while we're talking because this is a rare pleasure for me. I'm, I live to please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Timothy Langley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Hank. What makes doing business in Japan special for you? What makes anything special for me in Japan is that everything in this country is difficult. There's very little in this country that's easy or that's intuitive. A lot of stuff is counterintuitive, actually. I think uh, for foreigners who end up here, like yep. you and myself and, and the thousands of people who are listening to your podcast. Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. We are all, whether we admit it or not, we are agents of change. We left our country. We left our families. We left the people that we grew up with, who we loved, you know, our hobbies, our, you know, opportunity to have a house mm -hmm. with a garage and, and grass and Yard. stuff like that. And we, we came here. Yeah. Why did we come here? We came here because of the challenge, because of to drive ourselves, to learn something new, to bust out. Mm -hmm. And so this, this tendency of the Japanese is something that just physically rubs up against us. We're, we're not content with what our station in life is, what our situation is, but we're, we're driven. The people who have come here are a different breed of people. I, I, I you know, sincerely believe that. We yeah. are a unique brand of brothers. Agents of change. I like that phrase. What change have you been an agent of? I know there's tons. I came into Japan when Japan was not really very cool. Um, I came on stream when 
you know, Japan was just becoming something of an issue. I was working inside the parliament when the U.S. senators were bashing the Toyotas on the Capitol Hill steps. I remember that. So this was the first trade war. This was the first friction between the United States and Japan. But as a consequence of that, I really cut my teeth on a lot of diplomatic stuff, trade issues. I was working inside the parliament. I was the only foreigner in the parliament. Um, you know, I'm blessed with this wonderfully suggestive last name, so everybody thought I was working for the agency. Langley being your last name, but also the city where... The CIA is located, right? right? The huge CIA complex. So in movies, people never say, oh, well, he's with the CIA. They always say, oh, he's with Langley, right? right. When, I, when I finished the, the diet gig and came back to Japan to work with Apple... Apple's issue was we're selling a lot of computers and we're taking market share away from NEC. And not only us, but also Dell and uh, Compaq and a couple of the other computer makers. And the Japanese government wanted to cool this encroachment on their, on their turf. And so one of the instructions I received from, from headquarters, from John Scully, uh, personally actually, was when the hammer falls, Langley, you just make sure it doesn't fall on us. And so that was my job, just to make sure wow. that when the hammer falls, it's going to fall on somebody, and it fell on Compaq. And it did pour cold water on the heat that was being generated by all these, these new upstarts and the wonderful technology they were bringing to this country. Sacrificial lamb. Yes, right. Happens all the time. So um, when you're talking about um, agents of change, I worked with General Motors, and General Motors came and said, we need somebody to help us lead the charge. We're going to take the fight to the Japanese. We're going to sell our cars in Japan. We're going to take the fight to them, and we need you to help us. And so one of the things that they wanted to do was join the Japan Automobile Manufacturing Association. There's Keidanlen as a, the largest lobbying group in Japan, and the second is the Japan Automobile Manufacturers Association. Yes. And it has never had a foreign manufacturer there. So what we had to do is come up with a way for a Japanese automobile maker who was beholden to GM because of all the shareholdings to produce a GM-badged car in Japan, thereby qualifying us to join the Japan Automobile Manufacturers, which we did. Nice. How long did it take? That took uh, about four years. That's a huge agent of change right yes. there. It boils down to a feeling that we're doing something here that not many other people can do. And that's a special feeling, I that's think. That's true. That's true. In, in all of my years of doing business here, there are a set component of issues that any foreign capital company is going to experience here. The same set of problems and issues, you can predict yeah. them. They will hire the wrong people. They will make the wrong decisions. They won't have the right capitalization. They will push a little bit too hard. They will be fighting with their competitors rather than collaborating. If you can't handle it or if you don't know how to solve it, you definitely know somebody who does. Right. This is a tough country to be successful in. It's a tough country just to break even in. But yeah. it can be done. You just have to have the right kind of dedication. You have to have the right kind of funding. You have to have the right kind of people. Mm -hmm. And it can be done. There are a lot of companies that have done that. But sure. like I said earlier, the road between Tokyo and Narita is littered with the burnt-out carcasses of countless companies who have just not made it. Yeah. On the flip side of that is if you can succeed in Japan, it probably helps if you, you can, as an organ. I'm sorry for cutting you off. 
if you can succeed in Japan, you can be successful anywhere in the world. But if you can succeed here, yep. if you can embody the things that the Japanese do really well and embed that in what your skill or your product or what your service is, you will be enhanced far greater than whatever the cost was in being in Japan for 10 or 15 years and being successful. Wholeheartedly agree. You, could, you said it much more eloquently than I could. Thank you. <laughs> 40 years of experience in Japan public affairs. You are the founder and driving force behind Langley Esquire, billed as the premier public affairs consultancy. Right. Public affairs is one of those words everybody has heard, but nobody really knows exactly what it is. What is public affairs and why is it important, especially in Japan? That's a great question, and frequently people ask me, so what is it that you do, Langley? Sometimes that's a, a bit of a difficult question to answer because everybody knows what PR is, but few people know what public affairs is. And public affairs is that role where you help companies, corporations deal with the government. And there's, there's that huge gap between what politics And policy is, and what corporations do. Corporations are to make money and to sell products, and government and bureaucracy and the political machinery is to create rules and regulations to keep the population and the economy going smoothly without any hiccups. So, when you're selling a product or having a service that you'd like to introduce into、uh, the stream of commerce, sometimes there are Competitors, sometimes there are issues with your performance or with your reliability or with the quality of your product. And so rules and regulations are set up sometimes by trade industry associations、right. who want to keep other people out. They create it for their own purposes. And if you're not a member, then you don't qualify. Sometimes、um, invisible barriers. By definition, the foreign companies are newcomers, they don't have、um, a lot of On the ground experience. They don't have the networks. Right. They don't have the personnel that are embedded in them,、mm. uh, committed to their, their mission. So、mm. it's, it's a hard road to hoe. Sounds a little bit like a mix of lobbying, PR, and sales. Yeah, kind of. Lobbying is not a word we like to use. The, the, the problem is, is that lobbying pretty clearly describes what it is that we do. We talk with policymakers, with members of parliament.、Right. We try and convince them of why what they're doing is not the best way to do it, or it's the quickest way, or the most beneficial way. There are other ways to consider it. Delivering that story, packaging that story, following up with it is not something that companies are very familiar with. Then public affairs is kind of mixing a little bit government, corporations, media, and society. You want to get your message in a positive way, in an influential way. That's right. To all four of those, right? That's right. And, and you want to get to the people who have influence. Who has the influence over this particular area? When you, when you start focusing in on that, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the concept or the, the cloud of corruption comes up. So, how do you, how do you talk to these people, really?、Yeah. How do you get them to buy into your, you know, your bar of soap? So, there are lots of rules and regulations about trying to influence people. How do you do that? In the old days, you just brought a suitcase of money and it was done. As you know, the sales process in Japan takes a very long time, but what you're describing sounds like it should take even longer. Yes, it, it takes a long time. So, a typical engagement for us is, is a year or two year engagement. 
We have shorter ones where yeah. we're just doing stakeholder mapping. We're finding out for our client who are the critical people within the realm of what you're trying to achieve. Who are the, the components there? And who are your enemies, too? Who are the people who don't want you to be successful? Because you need to figure out who those people are, too, so you can mollify or you can yep. diminish the force of their um, their delivery. Mm-hmm. Our best clients are people who have been here for 20 or 30 or 40 years. They've already made the mistakes, and they don't want to make those same mistakes again. They've already hired Amukudadi. They found somebody who was retiring from a ministry that holds some sway over their product or their service. Not everybody that listens to this podcast speaks Japanese. What is your definition of amakudari? Amakudari in Japanese, the literal meaning is descent from heaven. And what amakudari uh, describes is a person who was, it's the revolving door right. that we have in the United States. But in, the United, in Japan, it's not really a revolving door. It's kind of a one-way exit. At the end of their career, these bureaucrats or high-level influentials retire and they become open. Sometimes they have to wait a year and then they can be, go on to the open market. So frequently uh, these individuals fall into the companies that they were overseeing during their tenure as a bureaucrat or as a politician. Yeah. They carry a lot of weight. Yes. No. A- Andrew has a, a face for radio though. Yes, I do. 100%. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, you are one of the pioneers. Tokyo on Fire. Right. Just go to YouTube, type in Tokyo on Fire. Each episode, you dive into a burning topic Mm -hmm. from politics to culture to interviews with influential people. It's really amazing. But you're on a bit of a hiatus. Yes, we did Tokyo on Fire for about four years. We have more than 400 episodes. That's amazing. It was kind of an experiment at first. We toyed with the idea of doing a podcast without video. And we thought, look, if we're going to do it, let's go ahead and do it with the visuals as well. It's yeah. harder. Um, the editing is much more difficult. True. Uh, the production is uh, more expensive. But we thought if we're going to do it, let's try and do it right. Let's hopscotch podcasting and go direct into the video component. Mm-hmm. And we can always download that into a podcast. Okay. So on the, the podcasting portion of that, it didn't take off very much. But the YouTube channel did take off, and it got a lot of a, a lot of traction there, and a lot of comments too. Yes, All right. <laughs> you do have some pretty good comments. Mm-hmm. It was our cool. it was our strategy, by the way, um, not to comment back or to incite comments. We wanted the viewers to actually run that part yeah. of the show. If you get into the the commenting on the comments, it's yeah. never ending. It's never ending, and. I know you have your own motivation for starting your podcast. Yes. My motivation for starting Tokyo on Fire is to talk about things that I think people should know, but they don't. You know, I, I know mm-hmm. people who have been here for a long time who don't know half the stuff that they should know that is out there. It's just, you know, sometimes you just have difficulty learning it. You learn by mistaking. True. And you don't need to do that. There are, there are sources. There are people who know what they're talking about. And that was pretty much the motivation for it you know teaching people about politics about how to stay out of trouble what's the difference between a bengoshi and a lawyer how to get fired how to fire people without you know generating such animosity that people actually go to court or hire a a lawyer and and sue you no it's fantastic when are you going to start it again we're we're still debating that one it takes a lot of energy and after four years of doing it i took a break the numbers are still growing Amazingly enough, we've got almost 6,000 subscribers now. It's very insightful. Thank you for for saying that. Tokyo on fire with Timothy Langley. (laughs) 
one of the new, I guess, segments of my podcast is the segment that I like to call Free Unsolicited Business Idea. Okay, are you ready for this idea? No, I'm not, but go ahead, shoot. Hey, I said it's free, and I said it's unsolicited, okay? okay? I've, I've heard your podcast before, and it's, uh-huh. it's a fun segment. I really like it. it. You come up with some great ideas. Thank you. Well, I hope that this one can hold Let's least, see what you got. at least a candle to some of my past ideas. All right, here we go. This is called the Langley Esquire Post-COVID Japan Boss. There and Boss is short for Business Opportunities Seminar Series. Hmm. What it is, is you offer some free video seminars where you moderate, you comment, and you advise with other Japan specialists, kind of like your your Tokyo on Fire show. But this one has Q&A and is specific for post-COVID. Uh, you get your name out there, it validates your knowledge, your authority on the subjects, and I'm convinced it would lead to lots of business inquiries and leads. So, Langley Esquire Post-COVID Japan BOSS, B-O-S, Business Opportunities Seminar Series. It's a great idea. Um, you know, we had Tokyo on Fire. We ran it for four years, more than 400 episodes. Yep. We've stepped back because um, we're looking for a, a better model to reach out to our friends, clients, potential clients. Fans. Fans. And um, there is a lot to say. There's a lot that people should know that they don't know, and I'm compelled by that. I like your idea. We, we have actually pursued that a little bit with uh, a partner that we have in the United States, uh, the Transnational Strategy Group. We actually had a, a seminar with uh, influential analysts in Washington, D.C., taking the U.S. side. And then we had Ichiro Fujisaki, who was the Japanese ambassador to the United States during the Obama administration. Oh, yeah. So uh, we had a, a one-hour webinar there, and it, it seems that this series is, is, you know, has great legs on it, and yeah. we're going to pursue that. Was it interactive? Yes, it was interactive. I asked the questions. They had right. to write them in, and then as the moderator, I would ask the questions, and one of the speakers would respond to those. Perfect. You're already doing it then. Yes, and I'll, I should be sending you a check every week. <laughs> well, maybe you could just change the name, though, because I, I specifically like the boss, right. B-O-S-S. Business Opportunities Seminar Series. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the current series is on U.S.-Japan relationship. What is the relationship? What's the foundation? What will the relationship look like or how will it change under a potential Biden administration? That's the thing that we're doing now. But the, the suggestion that you have is what's the business opportunity? How can you capture that? How can you anticipate that? How can you save costs? Yeah. How, where do you need to invest your money so that you will be a, ahead of the game? Definitely. Well, speaking of, of politics, let's talk a little politics, usually a boring subject, but with Timothy Langley, I know you will make it tasty and spicy. Listen, I was of the mind uh, before I got into Japanese politics that it was bull and dull and boring. And as I got into it, and as I began to wrap my, my head around it, I discovered that for people to at least know what's going on, knew, know who the players are, it is a good investment of time. I really like that perspective. We all know getting a great sleep is important, and this is what Gugu is all about. Super comfortable mattresses at very affordable prices and delivered to your home for free. They back up their best sleep ever promise with a 100-night money-back guarantee. Learn more at gugu.jp and enter the coupon code ZEN for your 20% discount. Gugu. Better sleep. 
better you. That was kind of a tribute to George Bush, not a tribute to Timothy Langley. But I touched on a couple of things that are just so remarkable. And when mm-hmm. I when I talk about that, and even when I reflect on it now, you know, 20 years later, I'm just, you know, I'm just astounded at how lucky and how fortunate I was. What was it that you did? He was engaged to come to Japan to have five speaking engagements over a five-day period. They didn't have a handler here, and so they hired me to be his administrator, his handler. Nice. To do everything for him and the Secret Service team to advance the, the venues and to take care of anything that might come up. So he came in, and once again, he wasn't president of the United States anymore. He was a former president. And this was his first trip after being the president. Oh, this wasn't the time where he threw up on Takeshita. He didn't throw up on Takeshita. He threw up on Miyazawa. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. It was his, his first trip. After that, he lost the election to Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. And Walter Mondale was inserted as ambassador. Okay. Right, I remember that. This is his first trip back. So there's tension between the ambassador of the United States and the former president of the United States. So that provided yet another layer of complexity. In addition to that, he travels with a team of 12 Secret Service agents, okay? I have to handle all of the Secret Service agents who have no familiarity and no appreciation for being in Japan. They travel with the president all around the world, and that's their gig. I was hired to handle the entire trip for the president. And there, there are just so many things that happen. But one of the, the funny things, I was supposed to secure the lodging for the president for the five days that he's here. Hmm. And the only appropriate place for him to stay was at the Okura Hotel. They have a penthouse called the Presidential Suite. And right across the hall from it is the Imperial Suite. And the reason why these are, are very secure is because they have an elevator that goes right down to the, the parking garage. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop anyplace else. It, it's a direct line. And when I made the reservation, I was told that the Sultan of Brunei had already reserved the presidential suite, and so we got the imperial suite. When the Secret Service came in to advance the trip, three weeks before the president arrived, um, they said, so did you do this? Did you do this? We're going to do this. And I said, yes, I've reserved the, the imperial suite for the president. And they said, no, it must be the presidential suite. And I said, well, it's it's taken over by the richest man in the world, the Sultan of Brunei and several of his wives. And they said, change it. Whoa. So that's, that's a real challenge. So I changed it. Through hook or crook, I changed it. I got to ask, how were you able to do that? So I was representing the President of the United States. So I just called in some favors. And it was with the Okura Hotel. Mm-hmm. And they were accommodating. And thankfully, the Sultan of Brunei understood and it was three weeks before he came, yep. and I let the Hotel Okura handle it. So I'm indebted to them. They're indebted to me. It's that, that same thing that happens over and over here in this country. Yeah, I love that. The other thing that was kind of interesting is that when the Secret Service came in, about a third of the detail came in to advance the trip three weeks beforehand. And I advanced the trip with them, five venues. And since these guys are on the advance, they're not with the detail yet. It's not too tight, but when the president comes, it's a different gig, and these guys, yeah, they're, they're just different. They're armed differently. They act different. They are on very much heightened alert. When they came into town, they are mirrored by 
secret service from the Japanese government. I'm sorry, they're not secret service, they're secret police. When these guys came into town, they were cowboys and they immediately clashed with the secret police. I'm sorry, the special police for how, you know, the manhole covers should be welded shut and how they sh- the motorcade should travel through intersections unhindered through right. red light and whatever. And so there was an immediate clash of cultures there that I was in the middle of. And the, the Secret Service, of course, spoke no Japanese. Mm-hmm. And the special police spoke no English. And it was, it was not a very pretty sight. Another one of those things, unexpected, that I had to fix that uh, just yeah. made it just that much more interesting. How, give me a sense of what it was like to be sitting at the same table where the Americans are saying, hey, we're Americans, and yes. our president is here, and this is the way we do it. Where the Japanese are all about harmony, and they're, do they kind of like, No, well, no, no, everybody's not about harmony. At this level, not everybody's about harmony. They have their jobs to do. You have your jobs to do. We understand what the distinction is. And by the way, dude, your guy is not president of the United States anymore, right. okay? And so you'll do it our way. No, we will not do it our way because God damn it, right? A lot of alpha males going oh, on here. A lot of that stuff is going on, and they're not speaking the same language. Right. Right? Are you the translator? I am the translator. I am right in the middle of that. But, right. But wait a minute. They, they probably have a dedicated simultaneous translator. You can't, they did not. They did not. They did not. Not on this team. This is, this is not supposed to happen. These guys are supposed to be polite. I've coached them. I've told them, you know, what, what is okay, what is not okay. And they have their own rules, right? They have their own yeah. way. You know, Langley, thank you very much for, for guiding us. But, yeah. you know, he is the president of the United States, and we will blow through these intersections. Yeah. Thank you for your quaint cultural insight, Mr. That's right. Langley. But that, we're going to do it our way. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of friction going on there. Yeah. Did you get to meet the president? I spent the whole five days with him. Yeah, and he loved calling me Langley. Oh, right. <laughs> he, he always used my last name. Hey, Langley, come here. You know that sort of thing. So it was, wow. it was pretty interesting. Langley being the name of the CIA, where he was once director of uh, the the agency Correct. there. Yeah. Do you have any fun story that was just kind of funny about how? You taught him how to use chopsticks or anything like no, that. Just any, no, any nice little funny he, stories about no, the former he, president? He, he had been in, in Japan. He was, you know, he's a, a career public servant. He had been in Japan many times. But it was close quarters. I stayed with the team the entire time they were there. And uh, the first day that he flew in, he came in on a private jet. I had him escorted into town. I met him at the Okura Hotel, as did several other high-level dignitaries, and then he went to bed. And in the morning, he woke up early, 5 o'clock in the morning. He wanted to go for a walk. So we went for a walk around the Imperial Palace and came back. He said, Langley, why don't, you, why don't you come and have breakfast with me? Let's talk about the schedule, what we've got on the itinerary, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. one-on-one, we had a, a, a briefing on that, and he said, thank you very much. That's, uh, that's good. We have some holes in the, uh, the itinerary, I see. I said, yes, sir, we do. He said, um, well, I've got some things that I would like to do if you don't mind. And I said, yes, sir, whatever, whatever you'd like. I mean, if you want to go shopping or something. He said, yes, I'd like to see the emperor while I'm here. And uh, I'd like to see the current prime minister. I'd like to see the current foreign minister. I'd like to see the former foreign minister, the former prime minister. I, he, he rattled off like six <laughs> different names. Yeah. He said, by the way, Lech Walesa, the prime minister of Poland is here in town. I just see in the newspaper. I'd love to see Lech. Why don't you set that up for me? Just like you and I are having you know, drinks yeah. today. It was unbelievable. Wow. And um, 
because it was George Bush, I was able to be successful. When I tell my Japanese friends that, they say, you're such a funny guy, Langley. Yeah. There is no way in heaven that you would be able to call up the emperor of Japan and say, hi, I'm in town. Can I come by and see you? It's not going to happen. But in yeah. fact, it did. Yeah. Well, you didn't personally call the emperor on his cell phone and probably went through a certain level of handlers. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It, but that's but, the type of guy you are, man. That's yeah. why you, that's why you have the reputation that you have, and I love that story. It's a great story. Did you have sushi with him? You know, many foreigners, when they come here, whether they're presidents or they're just rock stars or whatever, they want to try sushi when they're here. Right. Did he want to try sushi? I don't recall that he did. The time was pretty well structured. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have a, a private dinner while he was here. How were you vetted by the Secret Service initially before you were able to do this? I don't know. Okay. I was hired by Kenny Bunkport, the B- the Bush White House outside of the White House. Right, okay. So they, they had already made those arrangements. They had vetted me. But the cool thing about it is that when the president left, he left a detail of six Secret Service. Because the president was gone. They could let their hair down. They stayed one more day, and then they followed up and went back to the United States. Yeah. And so I had, you know, 24 hours with these guys, good guys, young guys. They just looked like regular people, but these guys were skilled professionals. Wow. It was really an interesting Where did you game. guys go for your dinner when you were all by yourselves on your last night? Where did you go? You are going to laugh. I took them to, um, what was the, uh, the the burger place in Lopongi at that time? Johnny Rockets. I took them to Johnny Rockets. Great milkshakes. And they really wanted a hamburger. And then, for entertainment, I took them to Motown. Oh, you're right. I am laughing. (laughs) Wow. I took them to Motown, and we had a blast. And we partied until the early morning, until they had to get back on the plane and fly out. It was a great experience. Wow. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that story. Isn't that a great story? That's why I said you should write a book. (laughs) (laughs) that's one of the things i love about you You have a great sense of humor very generous you're very outgoing very social but when people see your cv when they see your profile on linkedin they go oh my gosh this guy must be so serious this guy must only want to talk to the high level people but you are nothing like that whatsoever you're approachable anybody could send you an email they could ask a, a question advice uh, ask you out for a beer, a cigar, anything like that. And you're the type of person that would say, sure, I'm happy to make your acquaintance. Yeah, there are a lot of people like that. I'm not breaking the mold. But, yeah, the the CV looks kind of daunting, I think, for some yeah. people. And the fact that I've been here for so long probably puts people ill at ease. Or maybe they feel some sort of... Um, intimidation, uh, I intimidation. think. Intimidation. For sure. But there's no need for that. I mean, this yeah. is a, it's a small town, actually. You can meet, you know, most of the people that you need to meet in a, in a pretty brief period of time. Sure. Yeah, and the degree of separation... It's very small. Very right? small. I'd say it's maybe two to three degrees. Let's go with 2.5. It takes time, though. I mean, Andrew, you and I have been here for a long time. We've forgotten how hard it was slogging through that. And you meet people, and you form a relationship with them, and then they leave, right? Mm-hmm. You came here 30 years ago, and 30 years is, is quite an accomplishment. That's, that's a career. Now, most is. people do a career 20, 25 years. They get the gold watch, and they retire. Right. You've been here for 30 years. Yeah. 
I get the golden chopsticks. Let's hope. <laughs> the people that came in 30 years ago, there are probably maybe 15 guys that you know that came at the same time that you did. I came a long time ago, and the guys that I looked up to at that point in time, they're all gone. Yeah. Okay? Of all the people that I know, you are probably the one who knows the most about Japanese politics well, than you. anybody else. Thank you for saying so. And in Japan, the LDP, the Liberal Democratic Party, has almost continuously been in power since its foundation in 1955, with the exception of a period between 1993 and 94, and again from 2009 to 2012. But since the 2012 election, the LDP party has held control. I have two questions for you, Timothy. Number one, why the stranglehold? And second, when the LDP's popularity goes way down, like now, and Abe certainly had a couple of rough patches, how is it they continue to stay in power? There are a couple of、uh, good bets that you can make in Japan. One good bet is learn Japanese early. And the second good bet is if you're going to learn about Japanese politics, focus on the LDP. And the reason there is because the LDP has. Since the end of the war, except for those two、uh, very brief periods, disastrous periods for the opposition,、yeah. has held、uh, a stranglehold on Japanese politics. And there are a lot of reasons for that.、Uh, some of them are cultural, some of them are just logistic. But as you know, the Japanese people in general are, are risk averse.、Mm-hmm. So even if something's not great, if it's not what, the, what they want, it's better than what they don't know. Yeah. And they have had two examples of voting for what they don't know because they had a dislike for what they were dealt.、Mm-hmm. And so they will stick with the LDP even, even stronger than had those two instances not occurred. The example of、uh, going for the devil you know rather than the devil that you don't That's know. That's right. That's right. And we do know what the LDP is. The LDP stands for, it's basically capitalism. Uh, that's, it, it is the party. It's like the Republicans in the United States with a couple of interesting、uh, distinguishments. But it is the, the party of business and, and nationalism. So the LDP consists of it's like, a, it's like a, a circus tent that has different groups collected within this tent. And there are other opposition parties. They have different tents on the playing field, but they're different tents, they're smaller. And they're vying for power too, but the LDP has several factions within this tent.、Okay. But they keep this together because numerically the prime minister is elected from the lower house vote, it's a popularity vote. And the prime minister has a cabinet whose members are distributed according to numerical values within the tent. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So. Komeito,、uh, they are in a coalition now with somebody else who has a tent that's attached to the big LDP tent.、Okay. Not completely, they have their own tent and they share some of the power with them so that they hold a majority, a vast majority in the upper house and a,、uh, at least a majority in the lower house. So, in a word, the reason why the LDP is so strong is because, number one, it's been strong and therefore it is strong, right? And the Japanese have this. This kind of、uh, defeatism. Defeatism, or they love a winner. Oh, you love a winner. Everybody、yeah. loves a winner. Here in Japan, the, the winner is、um, you know, the, the better gamble. T- 
typically, Definitely. traditionally, yeah. historically. Started off by saying being risk adverse, and people that know Japan understand that. But, and they usually say, you know, Japan is very risk adverse, but they use it in a kind of a negative light. Another way of saying risk adverse is saying, I like predictability. Yes, right. Interesting. That's a cool perspective. But I, I, I like the fact that you use the analogy that it's a circus tent. Yes. <laughs> are you in, insinuating that the, some of them are clowns? <laughs> the upper house, it's interesting that you mentioned that. The upper house is populated. There is a portion of the upper house that is elected by popular vote countrywide. Mm-hmm. So there are sports figures. There are novelists. There are TV hosts. Entertainers. Entertainers who are in the upper house. You don't find that much in the lower house. But yeah, the the upper house has been criticized as something of a as a collection of of clowns, and certainly members of the lower house all say that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, stop complaining about a clown being a clown. You got to ask yourself why you keep going to the circus. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Aside from your family, what has been the one accomplishment you are the most proud of? Well. You kind of cut off the the thing I really wanted to talk about when you're talking about accomplishments, my family. I've had a lot of accomplishments, but I've had a lot of failures, too. I mean, being successful in this country is not, it's not an easy ride. You, you, you win some and you lose some. Yep. And hopefully you win by the ones that you've lost and uh, you become a better provider, a better servicer, you become a better person, whatever. Yep. But the accomplishment, the, the greatest accomplishment I can foresee for myself... I just haven't gotten there yet. I'm, it is in process. It is, it is to be seen. And, Interesting. Um, what is this? Well, it's, I'm developing my company, and I'm developing an industry. The industry of public affairs and government affairs here in Japan is as yet unestablished. There are no barriers to entry. There are no regulations guiding it. If you go to Washington, D.C. and you want to become a a, a lobbyist or a public affairs specialist, you have to register. You have to disclose how much money you make. You have to disclose who pays you the money and what you're supposed to do for that. There's nothing like that here because this industry is so young. And I've been doing this since inception. Right, but you, you just said you're just developing it. But Langley Esquire has been around for 40 years. It's still an industry that is in its infancy. So what I'm trying to develop is a legacy. I mean, I've done a lot of different things here in Japan. And in this, it's not just in this industry, but in this culture, there are things that these relationships that you develop as you go through life, you can transfer to family, to very close colleagues. You can do that. And, And politicians do that. There are certain industries that do that. Some Japanese law firms do that, sushi chefs, that sort of thing. So you're talking about succession. Succession. I'm talking about succession. And I've got four kids who were born and raised in Japan. They are uh, dual citizens. I've got two of them that are working for me. Sometimes I feel like I'm working for them, but that's a different story. (laughs) But it is to establish the public affairs and government relations industry here in Japan. It is budding now. There are several pockets of influentials who have come together to form pockets of providing public affairs services. And um, I'm one of those players. But I'm the only one who has sons who are of a certain bend. They've grown up here. They have the the kind of flair for it. And they're learning under my tutelage to take over the reins and to take over 
the networks that I have developed over a lifetime. They've, that, been, wa- they've been watching you for their whole life, literally. Right. And if I'm successful at that, that is a big deal. That is a, you know, setting up that kind of thing would be something really to strive for. And that's that if I'm successful there, then I can, I can rest easy. Wow, I love that story. So somebody who's been in Japan for nearly 50 years has so many achievements. Your greatest accomplishment is yet to be seen. Yes, I don't want to throw any of that away. And yeah. it doesn't need to be thrown away. No. It can transfer into other vehicles, but it's just I have to create the vehicle. Timothy Langley, what is your favorite Japanese word which does not have a direct English translation? That's a great question, and I'm always interested when you ask your other guests this question. I'm going to come at it with a little bit of a different angle. I've been here for a long time, and my favorite word in this context is not a Japanese word. It's an English word, and that English word is onomatopoeia. Ah, And people might not know what onomatopoeia is because it's a kind of esoteric word, but it means a word that you say that sounds like what it is. Right. So, for example, a cow says moo. Right. That's onomatopoeia. Flip-flops. And Japanese language is replete with that. They have an entire dictionary for onomatopoeia. Um, It's called uh, giseigo or... Giongo. Gitaigo. Gitaigo is also um, one of the, the classifications of onomatopoeia. So if you're serious about the Japanese language, it's interesting. If you qualify yourself as being fluent in Japanese, you need to know yeah. fluently five syllabaries. It is not just katakana. Mm-hmm. It is not just hiragana. It is not just kanji, which right. is at least 5,000 characters, right? Yes. It is not just English. You mm-hmm. need to understand ego as well. To be fluent in Japanese, you need to understand that. There are several dictionaries that you must have in your library, and one of them is gailaigo, yep. a dictionary of words in a foreign language that are embodied into Japanese language. Like escalator. Escalator, like rear view mirror, like bread, pan. Pan, yeah. There's Portuguese. It's or cheese, right? Portuguese. A pun is Portuguese, <laughs> yes. yes. Or cheese. Yeah, right? cheese, cheese. Too. <laughs> There's no Japanese word for cheese. It's oh. cheese. So you like the gitaigo? Yes, I do. All right. Yeah. What's your favorite gitaigo word? The, these onomatopoeia words. Giddy giddy. Giddy giddy. Giddy giddy. Good one. Just in time. Giddy giddy. Yes. Right? Yeah, today we were going to meet at 3.30 and you showed up at 3.29. Yeah, giddy giddy. You got that right. right. So there are, lo- there are a lot of words that express, I mean, it's not uh, Japanese, learning the Japanese language, yep. mastering the Japanese language is not just about the words. It's also about the feelings. It's also about how Japanese talk with themselves, how they express themselves. Yeah. And um, so when, when I, I thought about uh, this, this question that I anticipated, I thought about this word onomatopoeia. Yeah. And it's just a word that not everybody knows, but right. when you explain it to them, they go, oh, yeah, I know what that means, but how does that translate into yeah. Japanese and there are thousands there are far m- there more are. thousands in yeah. Japanese than there are in English right. so so giddy giddy is your favorite giddy giddy is one of my favorites yeah I like the one for when you're really hungry uh, and your stomach is peko peko a peko peko or when you're in a bar like this and people are staring at you they are very jiro jiro yes <laughs> <laughs> we can go on forever yeah 
That's cool. I, I like yeah. I like that answer. Giddy giddy. Giddy giddy. Japanese uh, just in time manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Right? Giddy giddy is actually a, a very useful word to know. Although they don't say giddy giddy say song. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Timothy, thank you again very much for today. Before we close off, is there anything that I did not touch on or I didn't mention that you would like to talk about? Oh, this one here? Yeah. What does it say? It says, Tim is funny. Tim is handsome. Tim is not gay. Tim is nice to children, etc., etc. Okay, then. Well, cheers to that. <laughs> we'll close on cheers. that. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. And that was Timothy Langley. If this episode sounded like we were having a good time, it's because we were. Timothy is a great guy and very approachable. If you are an individual or organization in need of legal, political, or public affairs assistance, reach out to Langley Esquire. With their extensive experience and network, if they can't help you, they will for sure know someone who can. Please check out the show notes for links from today's episode. And you can also search Timothy at langleyesquire.com. And don't forget to check out Tokyo on Fire, available on YouTube. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive rating or comment on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. Just search Now in Zen Japan and you will be golden. Thanks, everyone.